0: You are listening to a night dream. The Night Dream Podcast. Well, uh, one day I would like to finish the two books that I started with. You are listening to a night dream. The Night Dream Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Night Dream podcast, People. I am meant to release this episode sooner, so sorry about that. I had a really busy December and then my laptop stopped working in January. Uh, I've borrowed a Mac to edit with, but I've put off learning how to use the software until today. I've also been busy writing the longer piece of writing that I was putting off writing at the start of lockdown by writing this podcast. I'm hoping to stretch my brain to the absolute maximum and to work on both at the same time. This episode is about people. The idea for the episode is really simple. What if each story had more people in it than the last one? Some of the night dreams in this episode also borrow a bit from science fiction. We watched the original Dune over Christmas, which has led to me reading the book that my dad recommended about 15 years ago. I like how the book is anti-capitalist, and how much time is spent in the book celebrating the use of hallucinogenic drugs. In the epilogue, Frank's son, Brian Herbert, says that the second book was badly received because readers didn't like that Paul, the main character, went from hero to dictator, I think that this is one of the best parts of the series. There's no promise of utopia, at least in the first two books. Instead, the main character recognises and rejects their self-made violent destiny, which in a way is very similar to Ulysses, another popular book that asks if we as individuals can overcome societal expectations. Both books borrow from ancient Greece. Herbert and Conventions of Greek Tragedy and Joyce in his reimagining of the Odyssey. Both characters also reject violence in one form or another. If any of this sounds interesting, you should read Margaret Atwood's The Penelopiad*, another great reimagining of the Odyssey, arguably also much more fun to read. I'm in two minds about this introduction. I wanted to make them shorter, but I also said I'd speak about more things that I've been reading. So, maybe you'll see June's influence in this episode. Since then, I've been reading Ali Smith's Seasonal Quartet, so hopefully, you'll see some of that in the next episode. The tags for this episode are sensory deprivation, knowledge, grieving, static, true crime, memory, mob justice, AI, and deer. The first night dream of the episode is called Your Life Will Be More Pleasant If You Try To Relax. Things haven't been good. You spend all of your time in a tube, rolling across a land that you have never seen. Someone designed the tube to roll without spinning the person inside, like a washing machine in reverse. The tube constantly scans your surroundings for intact supply boxes issued by the last government, The tube feeds you and cleans you, so you spend most of your time lying, silently, listening to the ground change beneath the tube. You can tell when the tube rolls over grass, and you imagine yourself lying on the grass, looking up at the sky, which you know is mostly blue or black. You learned about grass, the ground, and sky recently, when your tube sucked up a new box of supplies. Unlike the other supplies, this container had already been opened, which confused you. There was some food which you ate, but also pictures of things you had never seen before, bound together. A picture of the sky and ground, annotated with a drawing of the tube that you are in, exactly the same as the metal etching on the door to your tube, illustrating the person, you, that is inside it. The annotated tube has arrows pointing one way and arrows around the tube which you feel as vibrations in your own tube. Deep down inside you recognise that someone else did this and you will never meet them. Your tube hits a bump shaking it before it begins to move again. The next night dream is called A Journey on the River Styx. You think deeply within thoughts as the ferry driver looks into the distance. They see your child, not quite a child, looking through the files on your laptop, opening and closing documents as quickly as they will open. They are looking for any trace of you, a letter to them, anything with any of the generosity that you showed them in life. There is no such letter, so eventually they begin to collate photos of you. Back where you are, you acutely dream of the sky, rich and static, and clinging to your face like a wet towel, reminded you reach downwards towards the water until the ferry driver gestures for you to stop. You like sitting in the boat, looking into the water. You feel total clarity passing through your old thoughts into a nicer, mirror-edged way of thinking. Your old life dimmer increasingly far, You can now see that things are either on or off, and that you have been on, and you are now off. Somewhere on the other side, a memory of adrenaline passes under the surface of your skin, but when you look down to your arm, it doesn't look like your arm, and your arm has never felt so distant. The ferry driver speaks to you, asking how long you think the journey will be, and although your first response is to say that you aren't quite sure, You stop yourself, saying that, although you've enjoyed this moment, that surely another will come soon. The old you would love to impress the driver, or to make them like you more than their last passenger, so you try to think of something interesting to ask them. You concentrate on the thoughts that travel between the two orbs that would have been where your brain floated. The driver looks at you, expecting a question, Seeing their reaction stops you from asking if you've met them before in your sleep and making a guess about sleep being the journey before this one. The ferryman deep in thought pulls harshly on the oars. They've just finished watching your funeral and they know exactly who felt what. They also have a good idea of what it means, having seen so many ripples made by their oars. You would love to make the driver laugh You are sure that you could if you are still alive. But something about not being alive stops this urge, or is at least enough for you to stop and think. The next night dream is called A Group of Men Are Stealing the Door. There is a group of men stealing the door at the end of the garden. One of them has a screwdriver and they've almost finished undoing the top hinge. The other men stand around awkwardly. One looks towards you, but only sees their reflection in the window. They are struggling with the hinge. That door has been there your entire life, so you open the window and shout at them. In unison, the men look around, trying to figure out the source of the noise. I'm here, you shout. Stop stealing my door. I can see you. Why are you stealing my door? Your neighbour opens the door to their back garden to see what the noise is about and their dog sneaks past them and starts barking. Thinking that the dog is yours, the men run, leaving the door a little lopsided but still more or less intact. Still angry, you look for a weapon to confront them with in case they come back. While looking around, you see the kettle that you put on to boil when you first saw the men. You imagine yourself emptying it towards one of them. You open the door and rest the kettle on the bench by the door, just in case. Seconds later, when you arrive at the crime scene, you notice the red and yellow screwdriver on the floor and pick it up triumphantly. It is yours now. Luckily, you notice the men just before they started on the third and last screw holding the hinge to the wall. You try to put the door back, but the screw won't go in. So you try the other screw, and the wood behind the hinge cracks, which makes you scream loud enough for your neighbour to hear. You hate this sort of thing. Dropping the screwdriver, you go back inside, wondering if you will ever be happy. You look out of the window and see your kettle sitting on the bench in the garden. Why is it there, and did they even think about how upset this would make you? The next night dream is called A Town in the Shade of a Mountain. You only have six apples left and so far you've missed every throw. So you push nearer the front of the crowd towards the stocks. To you, this situation represents the one time you can hurt someone and have it be celebrated. The sheer amount of fruit being thrown gives you some anonymity. You throw again and hit the wood next to their face adding to the spray. Sometimes people in stock shout angrily, which you love. Other times they weep at their own misfortune, which you also love. This person is doing very little, probably shocked at how much fruit is being thrown towards them. You keep throwing and throwing, landing a few good hits, and then you see a friend in the crowd, out of breath from the violence of their throwing. So you make your way over to them, It is hard to hear what they are saying over the noise of the crowd, so you gesture to leave, throwing the last of your apples. As you start to walk to the pub, you notice that your friend's pupils are tiny and that they are breathing heavily. After a brief catch-up, you sit in silence, not sure what to talk about. Your friend asks if you know what the person did, and you say that you don't know. They smile and tell you all the details. The last night dream of the episode is called After and Before. In a clearing in a forest away from people, a group of scientists labour under the instructions of an advanced AI. This room, one of 50, spread evenly around the earth, is the control room for a new method of control devised by the AI at the behest of a worried government. The orbs control invisible waves that cause objects to vibrate with such a specific frequency that the particles they are composed of momentarily forget what they are and move into other objects, becoming new things. The orbs control invisible waves that cause objects to vibrate at such a specific frequency that the particles they are composed of forget momentarily what they are and move into other objects becoming new things. It is speculated that a minor version of the same phenomenon took place in the control room, when one of the operators constructing the control room absent-mindedly leant against one of the floating orbs, instantly replacing everyone in the room with a herd of deer from a nearby forest. There is just enough time for their colleague, who saw it happen, to scream their name in anger before the startled deer rush around the control room looking for an exit. As the herd runs through the orbs, the AI speculates that at least half of the buttons have been knocked into by the deer, this quickly becoming 100% of the buttons, as the deer were moved and replaced by other things, some alive, some liquid. Parts of the scientists thick with decisions and actions that caused or became this calamity. People in terrible places considered themselves lucky. A prisoner due to be executed, swapped miraculously with a gumball machine, its contents swapped with others from the mall. A cold person eager to get inside raises an eyebrow as the key in their hand becomes a strawberry. Then moments later, a colossal body of water. A group of paragliders find themselves deep underground, unable to breathe until the ground becomes soft and edible. People who were being talked about by other people now find themselves in the same room, and a shower spouts magma briefly encasing the steam around a person, which swaps with the wood from their neighbour's kennel, which burns away and is replaced by tarmac of which there is a lot in the city. It is impossible to track how many things moved or for how long. Eventually the orbs, mechanical and grey, floated in the air still again. The original deer that first brushed against the orb as it ran through the facility, long gone, replaced by a slow decay enacted on the bones of a bat who sheltered and died within the control room long ago, dropping lightly to the floor in between two orbs. Although impossible to trace, you also exist within this mess. Your consciousness, now comfortable with being ripped apart at a moment's notice, floats somewhere between the orbs. Spotting the reset button that still lies on the floor, unattached to the orb that floats above it, you wonder about the choice made by its designers to choose buttons instead of a touch screen. Maybe you think that they thought it would make their design more foolproof, Existing now outside of your body, you contemplate the AI that figured out how to move things, unsure if things are now better or worse. I hope you enjoyed these night dreams. The night dream, a group of men are stealing the door, was inspired by a real-life true crime event that happened to a friend of mine. They came home and found that their house had been burgled, drawers open, things everywhere, etc., then they saw that the burglars were still in the back garden. The burglars tried to escape jumping over the fence, but one of their shoes fell off, falling into my friend's garden. And I think the real events outshine the story that I wrote, but you've just listened to me telling both of them, so you would be the judge. The review I'm reading out this week is from Nightdreamer H underscore S underscore, who left a review after listening to the Nightdream Beaver Mansion. I agree, there is no scenario where trying to get the big watch would be unreasonable. When a big watch presents itself like that, you really have no choice but to sacrifice everything. More treasure, please. And while I can't claim to know all of my listeners, I think that almost all of you would try to get the watch out of the frozen river. I hope you like the night dream after and before, which falls into my new genre of dyslexic science fiction, in which things change with no reason. Swapping words around in everyday conversation is minor, but I like how dramatic swapping things is when you put it into another context. Anyway, I'll keep the outro short because I talked a lot about June in the intro. Again, if you like my writing, please tell me by leaving a review. Tell someone else. Leave a rating on your phone. Leave a rating on your friends' phones. I need ratings so that more people listen to this podcast. Thanks for listening. Goodbye and sweet dreams.